Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ott. Today we are turning to an important theme on the IWM podcast. It's our children, the missionary children. We call them MKs for short, which means or stands for missionary kids. Well, missionary kids are so privileged in so many ways, wouldn't you say? They get to see the world, their horizons are widened, they see the real world with its needs and wants. They're part of God's mission from very early on. And they have friends all over. This all adds to their outlook and impacts how they perceive reality, which is much healthier than otherwise. And yet, kids are more vulnerable. They're way more impressionable than we adults are. We've long established together here on this podcast that cross-cultural mission transition and adjustment, all of this is not for faint-hearted. It's a major challenge and can cause much stress. And our kids are in the midst of all of this with us. Today, Cheryl Doss, Institute of World Mission Director, shares with us what options missionary parents, I am a missionary parent, what options missionary parents have when it's time to send their kids to school. We cover possibilities for early and middle school education, and we touch a little bit on taking our children through high school. With that, let's get straight into the conversation. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org slash podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Cheryl, welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. We are doing a series together on missionary children missionary families, marriage issues. And today we're back to the missionary kids, the MKs. Especially we will talk together about the opportunities that exist for Adventist missionary children in regards to their education. So let me start off with this question. What are some of the most common challenges missionary parents experience in facilitating the education for their children? Okay, well, you know, a lot depends on where the family is from and where they're serving. The different, they're very different challenges for that. In, um, in some countries of the world, uh, homeschooling is norm, uh, usual and, and plenty of resources. In others, it is not. So that option may or may not be on the table, depending on where a person is. In some places where people go to serve, there may be a, a, a school that is quite suitable for their children. Uh, language issues are often a big issue in, it, in choosing a school. Uh, does a child have to learn a whole new language to go to school? The age of the child makes another, uh, has another big difference in what you're going to do with a child. Is, is it a, you know, a very young child, a school age teenager, a college age child? Uh, the older the child gets, the more they want to have input into where they go to school. The older the child gets, the more important the peers are and the friends are. So the availability uh, is of the schooling in the host country and the adequacy of that schooling 
sometimes th there's maybe a school available, but is it the kind of school that's going to prepare the missionary child for the life their parents would like to see them have? Uh, because it makes a big difference when the child goes on into adulthood, have they received the kind of schooling that they need for, for their, their goals in life? So the challenges are in choosing, first of all, in choosing the school to suit the child in the situation. Uh, another challenge that parents often face is the challenge of cost. And that very much depends on the school in which they, uh, in schooling situation in which they find themselves. And another challenge can just be availability. I, I remember our daughter thinking about how they could manage to get their eight-year-old child to uh, a school that was over an hour away through the kind of traffic that they have in, in Antananarivo in Madagascar, <laughs> you know. And so while the school was there and they could figure out how to afford it, getting the child there and home would have taken uh, four hours of driving for on her part or or would they have to hire a driver would they have to get another vehicle so just the logistics of of, of getting a child to and from school or, or any other logistical issues that are involved there cultural differences is of course that the missionary child will face schools different languages different ways of teaching are embedded in different cultures I remember one missionary family that went to a new country and the first day of school, her daughter didn't understand the language, so leaned over to her friend next in the, in the, uh, the little girl sitting next to her and whispered, what do I do? And she got her hand spanked hard with a ruler. First day of school, just because she didn't understand the language. Now, some parents will, <laughs> will be right in the school the next day complaining to the teacher this family didn't handle it that way, but, you know, so the cultural difference in some, they actually came from a part of the world where no teacher would ever touch a child that way. So, you know, uh, the way children are handled in school, the cultural differences is, an, is another challenge that many families face. And there's probably any number more I could mention, but that's a good start. Thank you, Cheryl. It's very interesting as we interact with uh, many families. Uh, in mission institutes, uh, in our interactions with uh, uh, missionary parents, in between mission institutes, a lot of the conversation touches on the children. And there's probably no single family that would be completely happy with uh, of what's happening with the education of their children in their host country, although there may be some, but it is a pervasive issue there's there's always something um so um this is a pertinent topic and uh, uh, we know that this is a need that exists uh, amy and i um, we at some point in our missionary service decided that it's time to uh, move back uh, to uh, a country where we needed to put uh, our children to school and uh, this is part of our history this is very much part of uh, of uh, of who we are and what we did now this leads me to the next question what educational options are available to adventist missionary parents and their kids yes there's there's basically four different uh, options that missionary parents can have the first one uh, is homeschooling and to tell you the truth, if you come from a culture like the U.S. where homeschooling is fairly common and many resources are available and the parents feel able to do that, 
that works very well in the school age lower grades type setting. And in fact, many parents, I, I would have to say I homeschooled my children up until high school age, and that was actually a joy <laughs> for, for our family. It worked extremely well. Homeschooling has some advantages in that um, the children have a lot, it takes a lot less time to do their, their schoolwork. And uh, depending on the kind of system that you use, some systems are much more rigid than others in how much time you have to spend in, the, in, in doing the work. But if you have a, a rather, uh, we, we used a very, we didn't have internet or any other way of connecting with a wider school system. So we just had to get the books and do the teaching ourselves, which, which meant we had a great deal of flexibility in the children's uh, education. And if you've got a rich, uh, healthy home environment, plenty of books and lots of inquiry, this is often a good way to have children learn to love to learn because they, they, the, um, the learning is self-driven uh, in many ways. The parents are just kind of become along as the mentors or the guides, guides for this. Uh, the downside of this is that in some ministry settings, this is very difficult for the parents to do. If both parents, for example, are doctors on call for 24 hours a day in, in hospitals, it's really hard to, to monitor your children's uh, education. Some parents don't feel able to do that. This doesn't fit with the relationships they have with their children. Some children um, have learning difficulties or other kind of learning problems that make it hard for the parents to do the teaching. Um, and in, in growing number of cases, the parents come from a culture in which homeschooling is not usual. There's nothing available in the language of the home. And so for the parents to try to teach the child in a third language or second language, I mean, they've, they've got their home language, they've got the language of the country they're living in, and then to try to use English or or, or French or some other language of, of a, a third language is, is a very difficult proposition. So, it, it, you know, homeschooling has its advantages, but it also can be disadvantaged. The second kind of uh, school would be a missionary kids school. And I do know numbers of people that have found if you live in a city, you often can find a missionary kid at school. I remember one family that was from Germany living in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and they found that there was a small missionary kid school of German missionaries, <laughs> you know, that had started this. I think there were only like eight or ten kids, but they had a regular teacher. It was uh, connected with the German educational system, and they were able to send their child to that German school. Another family that was living in uh, Niger found an American. They were an American family. They found an American missionary kids school. So sometimes if we look around, uh, we will find these schools that are actually from the country of our home and, and means there's no language change. The, the learning styles and teaching styles are, are very similar. The, the curriculum is similar to what they, our children would have in their home country. And often they have uh, many classmates uh, that may become lifelong friends because they share so much. The downside of that is that these missionary kids schools will probably not be Adventist schools. We have very few missionary kids schools around the world, um, and none that have actually been designated. Now, you might find an Adventist school 
in the place where you live. Uh, uh, there's, there's, there's a school in, in Bangkok, for example, if you were to go there, you would find an Adventist elementary school or, and high school. But in many parts of the world where people go, there is no missionary kid school. So it might not be an Adventist school. A lot of the social life and so on will be on Friday nights or Sabbaths. The children will feel it be excluded from that. Sometimes they're very small. Uh, sometimes they're fairly expensive. Not always. Um, but um, they, so they have their pluses and negatives too. The third type of schooling would be an international school. And this is one that many parents look at. Uh, international schools have the reputation of being very excellent uh, scholastically. Um, they usually are, are very, they have many resources many times. You know, they have sports and, and uh, art and a whole bunch of the extras that many parents like to see their children receive uh, during their elementary and uh, years. And uh, they they are, um, or high school year, elementary or high school, they, they are often um, well supplied with uh, excellent teachers uh, in, in a language that the child can, can go for higher education. So generally they're in one of the, the major languages of the world, like the international schools will tend to be um, English, French, sometimes you'll have uh, another language, but those, those tend to be the, the major languages in an international school. The downside of an international school is really that it's uh, generally very, very expensive. Very expensive. And often it's not nearby. I mean, I remember one family that went to a country, they, they talk, called ahead and talked to the pr principal of the international school, um, and thought they were all set for putting their kids in school. And when they got to the country, they found that the, they had not realized how far the little town where they were supposed to live <laughs> was from that international school, way too far for the children to go. So, uh, you know, it's sometimes there's logistic issues. They're often very elitist. Um, they draw from the tops of society. Um, many children will be from very wealthy families, and this is often a difficult thing for missionary families who generally aren't so wealthy, and they really don't want their children in, imbibing the values of elitist cultural values or, or, or moral values. So, um, you know, they have their pluses, they have their negatives. I will just say here that the General Conference has just changed the policy to provide more financial support for people whose for whom an international school is the only option. They have to exhaust, it, exhaust every other option first, but it is recognized that especially as we send missionaries into places where there is no Adventist church to speak of, uh, so there will not be Adventist schools, and yet we want our missionaries to be there, that we will need to support them to go to the school that's available, and that's often an international school. Thank you for mentioning this, Cheryl. Um, let's uh, continue doing this. I mean, let's closely observe these kind of changes to the policy because a sizable portion of our audience or listeners uh, do belong to the official General Conference Missionary Program, and uh, this would be of specific interest to them. So I very much appreciate that. So we covered three so far. We talked a little bit about homeschooling, then the missionary kids' schools from different denominations that may be in town, and the third one was the international school. Yes, and, and the fourth one is, a na is the national schools system. 
Now, in some places, that's going to be a very good system. We would be happy to put our children in it. Um, oftentimes, uh, I, I have to say that uh, we have many certain parts of the world where that has historically been, been always the case. Missionaries to the Latin American countries, for example, have often gone to national schools or now increasingly Adventist uh, national schools. Um, but in, you know, that's available in some places, but in other parts of the world, a national school may not be very well resourced or taught. In fact, I remember in, in the school that was near our home, there were 150 kids with one teacher in first grade. No books at all. So, you know, that's not really the school that I wanted to send my children to for all of their education. Some people have handled that issue by letting the child go to the national school and then coming home and doing additional work at home. That uh, may work for some people, but it, it also is an added burden for the child. If they're spending all day in a school setting and then they're coming home and having to do more school for several hours in the evening just because the school is not adequate to teach them what they need. On the upside, on the upside of this uh, probably is the fact that it's the highway, the fast way for the family to be embedded in the community, especially if they're involved in some kind of uh, church planting frontline work that puts them in touch and contact with a lot of other families. This is provided that the children can handle uh, the cultural differences and uh, uh, and all of the challenges that local public schools bring with them. Yes, and, and the other, that's right. And another upside is often they're very inexpensive and available. They're nearby, you know. Um, so that, so there is, there, there is a positive. And, but as you say, that is one of the problems is if the child can handle going to a local public school. And, and some children do that very well. I've also heard some stories of children who, who have really struggled uh, with that situation. So we have to know, so that again depends, as one of the challenges we talked about, depends on the child, the different needs of the child, and the, the, situ the home country and the host country, and how those correspond. Because one of the first questions we need to ask, and I'm, I'm kind of moving on be beyond the four types, we always need to ask about our children is what do we want them to be at age 18? Too often we think, well, they're only six, seven, eight years old. We forget children grow very quickly and the foundations that we give them make a big difference on where they are at age 18. And that question becomes more urgent as the child gets older and older. Very interesting, Cheryl. My son just turned 18 years old two weeks ago. Yes, it's uh, very fresh and uh, we are so thankful to the Lord where we see him. Uh, his development, and uh, despite the fact that he's a complete third culture kid, lived in three different places on this planet, as removed from each other as possible, and uh, and yet he is in love with the Lord, been baptized uh, some time ago, is uh, uh, um, among uh, a great group of friends. Anyways, we, we can't be more happy, and we give the Lord the praise, but... Um, I like how you frame this question, where do we want to see our children at 18? It's, it's some kind of a beginning of their life, but also it's a place where they have achieved some things already. Yes, it's, it's a foundation. And I, I think uh, you've just raised a very important issue there with your son, is that w our goals are not just that our children will academically succeed. 
we also want to see them grow in Christ and become the kind of people that are committed to the Lord and to His mission. And so that can also shape where we will put our children uh, in school because uh, having a school situation which reinforces the, the, the values, the Adventist lifestyle and so on, is a very powerful way of shaping our children. On this, Cheryl, I will have um, a separate uh, question in, in, in just a minute because this is, this is very important. Before we go there, let me touch on a couple things. So we kind of covered maybe the uh, elementary high school and the middle, uh, the middle school as well. When it's come for teenagers to go to high school, uh, missionary parents usually have uh, more difficulties, and sometimes they feel it's time to send their children off to a boarding school, to a boarding academy, maybe back home. The question is this, is it a good idea uh, to send them uh, away, or maybe it's not a good idea? What would you say? Well, again, there's variables, okay, that we need to think about here. What kind of school are we sending them off to? What, how old are they? You know, in the, in the olden days, when my generation was missionary kids. Some kids were sent off to boarding school at age seven, eight years old. My husband actually went to boarding school at 11, and they had some kids in boarding school that were four and five years old. And that's way too young. We just have to say that does not fit with what we as Adventists believe is the role of the parents in raising children. So boarding school for very young children is very unfortunate. And we have seen that result in... Um, in, the missionary fam in the missionary family since then. In many organizations, kids were required to be sent off to boarding school at a very young age. And it has caused great harm in many families. And so most organizations no longer do that. There's very few uh, schools anymore, uh, missionary kids schools, or even international schools that have boarding for children under the age of, uh, you know, uh, 12 13, 14 years old. And um, I would say that anything younger than that is way too young um, to, to even think about boarding. Well, we do have a history in Adventism of sending our children away to academies when they get to high school level for boarding school. So that's, that's what, about 15, 16 years? Yes, yes. Once they reach high school, uh, 14, 15, 16 and um, I have to say that, that this was a real struggle in my family. Uh, we, I had homeschooled our children. They were, uh, our daughter was, was, had finished her elementary education. And so we just assumed that she would be going off to boarding school with the rest of the missionary kids to Maxwell Academy in Kenya, which at the time was a designated missionary kids school for the, uh, the division that we were in. And so... Uh, we made all the plans for that. We visited it as we left on our furlough. We bought everything she would need in one more year to go to that school. Um, and sometime during that year, I said to her, oh, man, I just dread the thought of you leaving. If I could, I'd keep you here till you were 35, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of mother talk. And, uh, and she looked at me and she said, Mama, I thought you wanted me to go. I really don't want to. So I said said, well, let's see what we can do. And so we got, um, we, we got Home Study International, Griggs, Griggs University now, Home Study International courses. We worked with Maxwell so that she was able to take her first year at home 
of high school and still have it credited to her high school uh, her high school classes because it was from an accredited organization. And she, then during that year, we both became reconciled, I think, to her leaving. And so this is the point I want to make when it comes to boarding school. This has to be a conversation between parents and children. This has to be a decision that is mutual. You don't want the kid to feel like they're being pushed out of their house. Neither do you want to hang so hard on the child that you clip their wings when they need to go. By the time a child is 14, 15, 16 years old, it is extremely important to their adult identity that they gain some level of autonomy from the parents. They're, they're, what they're doing is they're, they're beginning to develop their adult identity as a separate person. And so to say, I can't send you, as one family told me, he was thinking about sending a, a 17 or 18 year old child off to, for the first time to, to uh, college from the mission field. Oh, I couldn't trust her to, to go. Well, there's a problem there that's been that, you know, if you can't trust a child to begin making their own decisions as they get into the teen years, then something has gone wrong in the relationship and the, the, the building of, of character in the child. So remediation needs to happen. Parents need to think about it if they can't trust the child. But then, of course, there's differences between children. Some children are ready to go earlier and some are later. Some children... I mean, you're not going to keep the child at home until they're 35, as I would say. So at some point, you have, the child needs to be prepared for that separation. I would not want to prescribe to any family when it should occur. Um, it, would, it would depend on the, the maturity of the child. It depends upon the, the relationships in the family. It depends upon the, avail the available schools to them. Where are they sending the child to? What is the support the child is having on at that school as a third culture kid? I know missionary kids that go from Philippines to Hong Kong, for example, to the Adventist high school there. Or they'll go from many parts of Africa to, to Kenya for the Maxwell Academy there. Or in, in many other cases, they, they fly to an Advent, they go to an, I know families that have sent their kids to high school in, in Thailand, you know. So they're from countries away. Who's there to support the child? Some parents send their children to their home country for high school. And oftentimes they'll put the children in a high school that's close to a family member, grandparent or something. But this... Th Oftentimes, these schools in the home country are really not prepared to, to be the, provide the parental support that they would get if they went to a boarding school set for missionary kids like Maxwell Academy has been. In, in those, because um, in most boarding schools in the U.S. or other parts of the world, the boarding school is built uh, on the parents. If there's any disciplinary problem, the parents are called in immediately. If there's any, if there's long leaves. I know here in the U.S., kids every six weeks or so will go home for a long weekend. What is that missionary child to do? So before we send our children off to boarding school, we need to answer those kind of questions. What is the support they're going to have in the school they're going to? Is the school there? Um, built in such a way that it's supportive to a child who is time zones away from their parents, you know, time zones away. Will they allow the child, for example, to make phone calls at nine o'clock at night or is everybody, everything shut down, you know, so the kid can never even really talk to the parents 
in a time, time, time zone that their parents are in. You know, that sort of very detailed sort of look at the, at the situation you're putting the child into. I have to say that I had several missionary parents that said to me, boarding schools are God's gift to Adventist parents. <laughs> so, you know, in some cases, it, 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 it's actually what makes the child um, to have another set of adults reinforcing the Adventist values that the parents have been have built, being built into that child. I would never want to send my child away to a boarding school that was not an Adventist boarding school. That would really require a, a great leap for me. Uh, I would not recommend it to a missionary family. The Adventist subculture provides a continuity for the child. Uh, that is very, very helpful. So that's high school age. But then I, I want to reinforce here, this is a conversation between the parents and the children. No arbitrary decision can be made here. There are good alternatives if the child wants to work. Just, and I would suggest to you that in this era of COVID, we are going to be seeing continuing development of distance learning available to parents in many other cultures where it hasn't been available in the past. Uh, many cases now we have, you know, all over the world, we have distance learning being developed for the COVID era. So uh, I would guess that it, we're going to see this much more available in the future. Cheryl, before I ask uh, my uh, last and maybe the most important question here, um, let's remember this particular topic you just men mentioned, the distance learning. Let's maybe do a little bit of research in the next installment in our family and kids series. Actually share with the missionary community what are some of those options that are available in distance learning because this seems to be something that might be of, uh, of great interest. Um, my question, my next question is this. How can missionary parents keep their children committed to mission? I mean, we are missionary families. This is such a dream for me when I look at my sons that they will take the torch and take it into the future, that they be missionaries. I mean, if not cross-cultural missionaries, but truly live for mission, truly be part of God's mission in anything they do. And uh, this is something we pray in our family for. This is something we talk often for, but we give them space. I mean, we, we are kind of, we can't make them, right? So I don't know if we are doing everything right, but what is your advice? Because something that Amy and I, we really hope for uh, to happen. What would you say? How can we keep missionary kids committed to mission? Whoa. <laughs> Well, I would say, and this, is, this may sound like a cliche, but truly prayer, we pray for our children, and we pray for God's Spirit in them, and we lead them to Christ. I think it's really important that, that we as Adventists, who often um, are willing to just allow our lifestyle to, to shape our children, forget that it is also important that they actually make a personal commitment as early in their life as possible to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will baptize them even before they're baptized <laughs> at that point. You know, if, and I remember and when my children were three, four, five years old, we began looking at little children's books and reading about how, how Jesus wanted to come into their hearts and they needed to accept Him as their, their Savior. And um, one by one, 
over time, they came to the point where they were able to say, yes, Jesus, I want to, I want to ask Jesus to live in me. And so, bring them to Christ as early as you can, and then nurture that in them in a fun way, okay? We can make religion so unfun. Being a missionary family should be joy to us, and they will catch that joy. And involving them in mission, uh, helping them see their role as, as a, a, a missionary themselves, uh, getting them involved in, in helping in, in whatever way, Sabbath school, branch Sabbath school, pathfinders, you know, in any way that they can come along and help in the mission. Uh, my, our, our son, we lived on a mission station, lots of building going on. He, as soon as he learned to drive at 12 and 13, he could drive the supplies for the building projects that were going. So, immediately he's engaged, you know, in the mission. Our daughter would help us um, with the, the, the cooking when we would have big events, and she, she would help us uh, make the uh, little uh, Sabbath school supplies, you know, to use for Sabbath school cutouts. So, getting them involved in, in ways that they enjoy, that they want to be involved in, I think is important. And making sure that our hearts are, are in, uh, joyfully in joyful service as well. And then uh, one other thing, be aware of how we talk about the church and other missionaries, how we talk about how we criticize or, or talk negatively or expose um, people's foibles to our children. We can be honest. There, in fact, it's important for children to know that the church is not perfect. We are not perfect. They are not perfect. The world is not perfect. People make mistakes. But how we talk to our children about that, we're all in need of, of God's grace in our lives. And that includes the leader who has just said we can't go on furlough when we want to go on annual leave, or that includes the decision made by the treasurer that doesn't allow us to do this project. Or you know, Don't come home with an attitude that you don't want to see in your children. Make sure that you are the way we, you're talking about the church, and then making sure that they are not in that talking about the church, that they do not uh, blame the church for the trials of their lives. It's very easy for us to say, we have to do this because the church told us we had to. Something that's hurting them, that if they have to move from one school to another, or they, they can't go to the school of their choice. And we say, well, the treasurer won't give us the money for it. You know, or, or even worse, to say, well, God must not want us to do, have that option. Who, it's like blaming God or blaming the church for something that's hurting them. So, we have to be very careful how, how we handle our own disappointments and our own hurts and, and make sure that we're engaging them in ways of positive relationships with other missionaries, with, with the church, church leaders, and see, see the benefits, uh, make sure that they understand the benefits of what it is. And then lastly, keep them connected to other missionary kids, whether virtually or in person as much as possible. Give them a, a, a strong, supportive group of, of peers that are like them. And that's one of the things we're working on here at the Institute. We really want to make that, even if it's a virtual thing, make that an option for fa missionary families. Give your kids missionary kid peers if you can. 
Thank you, Cheryl. And we will be sharing more about that with our community, with missionary parents. Um, last question here is, um, would you recommend any resources on uh, missionary kid education? Yes, I would definitely recommend uh, the School of Distance Learning at Briggs University. Uh, um, they are worldwide. They have very good, and this is, of course, uh, English, but they're very anxious to work with missionary families in ways that are supportive. And this is Adventist uh, education and with all the Adventist textbooks. Uh, so it's, it's a really good uh, resource. The second resource I would like to suggest is Circle. Circle is a, an online resource page for teachers. And it, is, it, it has a section in there for homeschooling teachers or for other teachers. So any parent who is needing some kind of resource, you can go into Circle and you can um, ask for the need, whatever you're looking for, and you can find support, you can find resources that may be of help to you. It's, uh, it's out of the School of Education at Andrews University. We will provide links to both the Griggs and the Circle in the show notes. Cheryl, thank you so much for uh, this wealth of experience that you've shared with our community today. This is our series on missionary families and their children, and we will continue that in the weeks and months to come. It's a huge topic. I wish God's blessing on every missionary family out there as they seek to educate their children for Him. Once again, thank you, Cheryl, for such valuable insights. We also have a question for our listeners. As a missionary parent, what has been most challenging to you in handling the schooling of your child or children? One more time. What has been most challenging for you in handling the schooling of your child or children? We truly mean this question, friends. Please respond in the comments on our website on the page where this episode is published or simply write to me at otta at gc.adventist.org. Your responses help us orient our future episodes in such a way that they truly respond to your needs, to your situations. Before you go, Please check out our show notes for this episode. We are listing all the other episodes we've done, the shows we've done on missionary kids. They are not many, there are not many yet, but you can find some very useful topics there. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. <music>